This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, we're going to uh, take a trip down to visit our sister campus of UC Irvine and speak to Dan Sung, who produces the program Subversity, part of KUCI's lineup of public affairs programming. And we're going to also talk to our very own public affairs director, Jen Cow, who has established for the first time the beginnings of a UC radio network, which has begun right here on KDVS. We'll have uh, quite a bit more to say about that in our second segment. Let's begin the program as we like to do with On This Date in History, which in our case today is February 28th, normally the last day of the month. This, of course, being a leap year, it is the second to the last day of February and just 10 days behind Daylight Savings Time, which is coming early this year, March 9th. But it was on this date, February 28th, in 1646, that in Massachusetts, the Puritans put Roger Scott on trial for the crime of falling asleep in church. The Puritans, who are not noted for being a particularly fun-loving bunch, uh, uh, regrettably had a lot to do with the founding of this nation as we've retained more than a few wisps of Puritan sensibilities. On this date in 1932, the Ford Motor Company produced the last Model A, ending a five-year production run that put out about five million Model As on American highways. With a 40-horsepower engine and a self-starter, the cars had a base price of $460. And as a personal aside, I would like to note that I learned to drive on a Ford flatbed Model A, which my grandpa kept out on the ranch, back when there were ranches in Fremont. On this date in 1994, in the first combat engagement of NATO's 45-year history, NATO jets shoot down four Serbian warplanes in the no-fly zone over Bosnia. Serbia's actions uh, during uh, the 1990s has contributed to uh, why a lot of people are uh, pretty happy about Kosovo breaking away to become an independent nation. Although it is curious that every single nation on earth that seems to have an issue of an ethnic minority, like Turkey, Spain, the Soviet Union, have condemned Kosovo's breaking, breaking away from uh, greater Serbia. And if you're keeping score, the U.S. is for it. And finally, on this day in 2002, the euro became the sole currency for 12 members of the European Union. The national currencies of these, uh, these contributing states, among them the French franc, the Deutsche Mark, and the Greek drachma, all ceased to exist. And if you're keeping score on that one, the euro has now achieved its all-time high versus the U.S. dollar. Now it takes over a buck and a half to buy a euro. And personally, this correspondent, who is admittedly no financial advisor, is going to see what he can do to transfer some dollars into euros before it gets worse. I'd like to make a bit of a public service announcement based on some email that was sent among us on the KDVS listserv. One correspondent noted that someone attempted to become a volunteer here at KDVS, and they regrettably were turned away which led to Craig Fergus, our office and volunteer coordinator, posting a, uh, a reply, which I think I'll read from. 
because I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there uh, enjoy what you hear and might want to come down and be a volunteer here at KDVS. To which we would say, we're open to the public 9 to 5, Monday through Fridays, and this is the best time to come down because that time nearly guarantees that you'll have some member of the core staff around to give you some work. If, however, you have a job or other restriction during these hours, get in contact with Craig, and he can make arrangements with folks that are outside of those hours so you won't be left out. And for more information, of course, go to kdvs.org. Our annual pledge drive is only about uh, six weeks away, and, and we certainly can use your help. Our quote of the day comes from Henry David Thoreau, who once said, Every generation laughs at the old fashions, but follows religiously the new. Our quip of the day comes from W.C. Fields, who once said, If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Then quit. There's no point being a damn fool about it. Our joke of the day comes from, of all sources, the Old Farmer's Almanac. The publication listed some ideal corporate mergers that might take place in 2008, noting that if Fairchild Electronics and Honeywell Computers merge, they'd become, farewell, honey child. And if there should be some sort of merger between Knott's Berry Farm and the National Organization for Women, that would become, not now. And my personal favorite, if Polygram Records, Warner Brothers, and Ritz Crackers got together, they'd become Polly Warner Cracker. All right, our statistic of the day, and this comes uh, this week from the Associated Press and Ipsos. President Bush has hit the lowest approval rating of his presidency, while Congress fared even worse. While only 30% of Americans say they think Bush is doing a good job, which is down four points from the beginning of the year, which I believe had been his previous low, the Democratic Congress, well, just 22% of Americans approve of its performance, also down four points since January. I think that might have something to do with the fact that a lot of Democrats were elected to challenge Bush and haven't. And our bonus joke of the day comes from Jay Leno, who commented upon Fidel Castro's alleged stepping down and said, he ran Cuba for almost 50 years now, and political analysts are debating what kind of changes the Cuban people will hope for. I'm going to guess term limits. Personally, we at Radio Parallax are baffled as to why everyone thinks that Fidel Castro really is stepping down. His brother Raul may be the president, and, uh, and Fidel may be on his hospital bed, but he's still the head of the Cuban Communist Party, which really runs the show in Cuba. And in my personal opinion, as long as he's alive, nothing much is going to change. And I really feel for the poor people of Cuba who are stuck between this dysfunctional government and the U.S. embargo. And yes, you have to note the Cuban Revolution did accomplish some positive things, but uh, I tell you, as a functional society, I, I just, I don't think it works, and, and I've seen it. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week this week for Second Amendment advocates. 
when it was revealed that astronauts aboard the International Space Station now have access to a gun. Oddly, the gun is part of the survival kit stored aboard the Russian space capsule attached to the station. It was reported that all space station crew members are aware of the gun's location, and that fact worries critics who note that astronauts operate in tight quarters under a lot of stress. Anyway, enough said. And uh, according to The Week magazine, last week was a bad week for leaving no child behind after a California man admitted he had taught high school for 17 years without being able to read or write. Said John Corcoran, who's now retired, it's embarrassing for me and it's embarrassing for the nation. And indeed it is. And it was kind of an ugly week this past week for boasting after a Louisiana man who had just completed a video game called a friend to announce, I've killed them all. Thomas Ballard had dialed the wrong number, and the frightened woman who answered called police. No bodies were found, but a police arrested Ballard upon investigating anyway on an old drug charge. All right, item from the Only in America file. I was uh, thumbing through the business section of the Sacramento Bee not long ago where they put the pictures of the corporate execs who were on the move. And I was drawn to the language that was used to describe uh, one person's new responsibilities. And I think I'll leave their names out because this is nothing personal. But person X was named executive director and person Y was development director of, a, of an entity. According to the Bee, X will provide leadership, create vision, and conduct strategic planning for the organization. She will also develop an annual work plan and budget and establish working relationships with community groups, donors, politicians, and other organizations. Person Y will consult with other nonprofits, help build the organization, and help build the organization to meet the demands of its services. She will also serve as grant manager. So I don't know whether this is psychobabble or, or meaningful, meaningful language in the business world, but I decided hereby to give Mr. McMillan the new title of Executive Director. He will now be expected to provide leadership, create vision, and conduct strategic planning for the organization. Is that okay with you, sir? Yes. All righty then. In a somewhat similar vein, I would note this item from the B. Apparently, United Airlines says its new policy of charging passengers with non-refundable economy tickets $25 each way to check a second bag is for the benefit of the consumer. The policy enables us to continue offering customers competitive fares, said United's John Tagg. And while we're at it, let's thank Big Brother for raising the chocolate ration this week. I hope you've been following the story about uh, the Exxon Valdez uh, oil spill now being debated before the Supreme Court 19 years after the fact. National Public Radio gave a pretty good summary yesterday of how the attorneys for Exxon feel at this point 
what the appropriate amount they should now pay is nothing. They apparently were even disputing the fact as, as to whether Captain Hazelwood may have been drunk after Hazelwood instructed the third mate on when to make the turn back into the shipping lane, then left the bridge of the ship in violation of regulations. The 11 million gallons of oil which spilled into Prince William Sound eventually spread over 600 miles of Alaska coastline. But the good people at Exxon just don't think that $5 billion punitive damage award, it's just not right. Oh, by the way, in 2007, ExxonMobil made more money than any publicly traded company anytime ever. Annual profit last year was $40.6 billion, which topped the previous record of $39.5 billion, which, oh, Exxon posted the year before. Of course, the part I like the best about all of this is that Captain Hazelwood was allowed to pilot a giant oil tanker on the high seas, even though his driver's license had been suspended for, you guessed it, drunk driving. And speaking of less than optimal regulation, uh, you can't feel good about the fact that the U.S. Department of Agriculture ordered a recall of 143 million pounds of ground beef, but noted afterward that they couldn't track most of it, and presumably most of it had already been eaten. We've got to talk a little bit about Pakistan. Uh... Everyone knew they were going to rig the election over there. Prior to the election, the group Human Rights Watch said that a, uh, a journalist made a call to the, the Pakistani Attorney General, Malik Qayyum. Apparently, Qayyum took a second call without disconnecting the first and admitted that the national elections would be massively rigged. Despite this fact, uh, President Pervez Musharraf's Muslim League Q Party won only 20 or so seats in Pakistan's parliament whereas the Pakistan's People Party of, uh, of Benazir Bhutto, assassinated in December, uh, and the Pakistan Muslim League of Nawaz Sharif, which incidentally made a mess of the government back in the 80s and 90s, gained about 100 seats. We find it interesting that a guy that messes with the judiciary, suppresses human rights, fails to adequately deal with the issues of international terrorism, and an acts in an unconstitutional manner, will get you tossed out of office in Pakistan. Odd that it didn't happen that way here in the U.S. of A. Of course, we were just talking about how the vote would be rigged, weren't we? Anyway, sorry, couldn't resist. But um, we're going to have to talk about Pakistan in future installments of the program. In particular, the fact that A.Q. Khan of Pakistan uh, had been dubbed the Walmart of nuclear proliferation. It's uh, quite a story we have to tell more fully, but uh, in brief, following India's 1974 atomic test, then-Prime Minister Ali Bhutto, father of the recently assassinated Benazir, tapped A.Q. Khan, a talented, ambitious metallurgist, to head the country's nuclear development program, which eventually resulted in the so-called Islamic bomb. Anyway, any country that's got an atomic bomb and uh, Osama bin Laden hiding on its borders, well, that's a country we're going to have to watch rather closely. But let's talk about some politics closer to home, shall we? Starting with the investigative report by the Sacramento Bee that uh, Mayor Heather Fargo has apparently logged 124,000 miles on 25 trips here and there, 20 of them to climate change conferences. Now, many of these ships did not uh, cost the taxpayer uh, much of anything, even though sometimes the mayor's aides were sometimes taken along. 
But the editors of the B uh, had to ask why. Not that they begrudged the mayor making the trips, but just, you know, what have we got to show for it? In the article by Terry Hardy in the Sunday Bee, some environmental experts question the necessity for journeying so far afield. And while some of Fargo's peers say she's emerged as a leader in the push toward a more environmentally conscious Sacramento, local environmentalists complain that Fargo hasn't shared innovative ideas culled from her trips and has failed to show leadership in some key local environmental and land use decisions. Graham Brownstein, executive director of the Environmental Council for Sacramento, said disillusionment among local environmentalists grew after the mayor's recent State of the Downtown address on greening the central city. In her comments, Fargo advised citizens to lower their carbon emissions by walking more and getting rid of incandescent light bulbs. Brownstein said, is that all she learned at those conferences? What else is there other than light bulbs? And by the way, Estimates by the Sacramento Municipal Utility District say that Fargo's journeys created about 25 tons of carbon emissions. But I would say the understatement in, in out, of, out of all of that is uh, the issue of land use decisions. Go take a look at uh, the area of North Natomas. An area that's built in a flood zone that finally had to have FEMA come forward to stop the issuing of construction permits. Sad to report in this case, we have uh, Bob Matsui, the late uh, congressman from Sacramento, and Vic Fazio, the congressman that represented Davis, as two of the culprits that uh, got this so-called levy certification that allowed this development to go forward. Anyway, we'll return to that topic again. Oh, by the way, Representative Doris Matsui, who took her husband's seat in Congress is one of these superdelegates to the Democratic Convention. She is a supporter of Senator Hillary Clinton, but represents a county that Barack Obama carried in the primary. You know, we, we've been pretty hard on the Republicans uh, on this program, but someone has to ask at some point, how is it that a Democratic congressman steps down and his wife takes his seat? Uh, not to say that Doris Matsui is not a capable uh, person, but come on. Oh, and before we completely leave the issue of fluorescent light bulbs, by the way, under a new energy bill passed by Congress, the incandescent light bulb used in homes for 125 years will be phased out beginning in 2012 to be replaced by the new compact fluorescents, halogens, and other, ty- other types of bulbs which cost more but last longer and use less electricity. So maybe Sacramento doesn't need to focus in on that one so much. And uh, speaking of women in politics, we like this one. Senator Barbara Boxer apparently paid her son Douglas $320,000 in campaign donations through his company, Douglas Boxer & Associates. Yes, apparently under long-standing congressional ethics rules, corporations, unions, and other large organizations cannot directly pay senators stipends, but their contributions to senators' election campaigns can be paid without limit to the children, spouses, in-laws, and other relatives of the lawmakers, per an article by Shalig Murray in the Washington Post. This was described as a practice that has aroused controversy, but is fully legal. Although we do want to give Senator Boxer uh, a pat on the back for holding hearings about the EPA uh, refusal to grant a waiver to California. Yes, the Bush-Cheney administration, representing Republicans who have traditionally respected the rights of states to go their own way. 
Yes, the Bush-Cheney's EPA in December of last year rejected California's bid for a waiver from U.S. law that would allow it to impose emissions restrictions on heat-trapping CO2 emissions. California and 16 other states have sued to reverse the decision. Due to some memos put forth by Senator Boxer, we know that the EPA's Office of Transportation and Air Quality said, quote, it's obvious to me there's no legal or technical justification for denying this waiver. In spite of that kind of advice from his staff, EPA head Stephen Johnson, after meeting with White House representatives, said that a new national law which raises automobile fuel standards by 40% by 2020 was a, quote, better approach than a, quote, patchwork, unquote, of state rules. Anyway, let's take a break from politics. The Oscars were held last weekend, and uh, the usual dreary fair that's currently being produced by Hollywood got this or that award. Ah, we don't care. We're much more interested in the fact that the annual Razzie Awards this year went to the Lindsay Lohan vehicle, I Know Who Killed Me, which set a new Razzie record with eight awards, including Worst Picture and Worst Screen Couple, which went to Lohan for her double role. Yes, apparently between the film I Know Who Killed Me and the Eddie Murphy film Norbit, well, those two films swept up all but one Razzie. Said Razzie founder John Wilson, We've never had two films so totally dominate, at least not since the heyday of Sylvester Stallone. Stallone, the all-time Razzies champ with 30 nominations and 10 wins, dodged the ceremony a year ago after Rocky Balboa turned out a lot better than people expected. But it was noted that Stallone's luck may not hold out next year after his latest critically drubbed sequel to Rambo. Said Wilson, without even having to think, I expect Sylvester Stallone to be back with Rambo. Let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax.